Anyway, give honor to the place of the Holy Spirit. After watching that, I suspect there are folks right now that are saying, well, pastor, tell us about the Holy Spirit then. Well, the Holy Spirit is a part of the Godhead. It really, he really is God's agent on the earth that brings to us all of what the Lord has provided and accomplished for us in his heart, through the cross, all those things, the Holy Spirit. Whenever you sense your heart beating a little faster, whenever you sense your conscience being activated, whenever you sense that that otherworldly sense that you're being guided or directed, a, a lot of times that's the Holy Spirit. That is the presence of God beginning to move in our midst. And we are part of a church that we call ourselves a spirit-filled church. A spirit-filled church. In fact, I've been using really the phrase lately, spirit-empowered church. I kind of uh, change spirit-filled because, you know, there's all sorts of ideas that sort of pop into people's mind when they hear the term spirit-filled. And so I I, I switch to spirit-empowered. And guys, if you have that ready, the screen overhead, I want to read to you one more time just a vision statement that that I use in order to help keep uh, all of us on target as a people. And this is what our vision statement says, especially the first part. It says, to be a credible, everyone say credible. One more time. Okay, to be a credible, spirit-empowered church. Reaching the Charleston region and beyond with the word of God and the power of God, which conveys the message and the ministry that people can be free, whole, and victorious only through Jesus Christ. Now, we spent several weeks ago a great amount of time talking about vision and the place of vision, but I want to be able to talk a little bit about that first phrase up there and and spend some time with that, a credible, spirit-empowered church. And so we're going to talk about spirit-filled credibility. Spirit-filled credibility. I was a a Christian probably for uh, seven, eight, nine years, somewhere in that particular time period. I love the Lord. The Holy Spirit was, was resident inside of me because I had made a commitment to Jesus Christ. I was born again. And the only way you can be born again is by the Spirit of God. And so the Spirit of God caused me to be transformed, to become a new creature. Old things passed away, all things became new. I was moved from darkness unto light. And all of these things are Christianity 101 in the life of most people. The Spirit of God is who did all of those things in my life when I first became a Christian. And of course, He was resident inside of there. But there came a moment in my life, eight or nine years down the road, where all of a sudden the well had gone dry. All of a sudden, even though there were all these promises in God's word, and all of a sudden, uh, even though there were all sorts of things that God's word said I could do, it wasn't happening in my life. Anybody been there? You mean you're loving God, but somehow loving God and seeing it happen, it just, it wasn't quite matching up. And in that time period, it was the middle 1980s, towards the end of the 1980s, Um, It was a time period when what we call the renewal movement was taking place. It had been going on for some time, but I just first ran into it then. They called it the charismatic renewal. For those of you that don't know what charismatic means, charis comes comes from the Greek. It literally means gift or grace. 
And so the Spirit of God was being poured out in the 60s, 70s, and parts of the 80s. And, and, and the gifts of the Spirit were being activated. And people were functioning in greater power and greater supernatural ability. And there were a lot of wonderful things going on. And, and these type churches were beginning really to catch on. And, and you could turn your television set on and you could see Pentecostal people or charismatic people on television. And, and it was kind of different. I don't know if you ever ran into that group. And, and I'm a part of it. But, but at first when you run into it, it can look a little bit different. I mean, people kind of energized. Now, I grew up in a church that wasn't real energized. I mean, we always took solace in the fact that we would probably be the first ones that Jesus would catch away because the Bible says that the dead in Christ will rise first. And we were dead as a doornail. There wasn't much energy. I mean, we were reading out of books and up and down and all around. And I just, I mean, it was just, it was, it was, there was no life in it. There was nothing about it that was particularly impactful. And, and so suddenly, you know, you're born again. You're beginning to function in circles that are born again circles. But then suddenly you see this spirit-filled group. And, and it, was, it was such a paradox or an enigma because there was something that was drawing to it. I was drawn to it because when you're thirsty for something more and when you're wanting to see more power activated in your life and you're wanting... God to do miracles and you're listening to the testimonies of these people who are testifying to miracles and healing and happenings in their life. I mean, there's a part of you that's drawn to it. But at the same time, there's a part of you that's like repelled by it. Because sometimes it's like, well, let's just be kind. It's different. If we don't want to be kind, we'll say weird. They, 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 you know, at, you know, we were singing hymns in the church I grew up in and you come to these churches and they're, they're, you know, they're jamming out and, you know, people got their antennas in the air and, and, you know, it's just, it was just, it was way different. And so this paradox was happening. You're drawn to it, but at the same time, you're re- repelled by it. And, and I wanted God to do that in my life. I wanted more power in my life. I wanted the Holy Spirit to move through my life. I wanted to know that victory and that optimism and all the things that I knew was available. But my problem was I kept meeting people who were spirit-filled. You ever met spirit-filled people that just, golly, they're just weird. Just goofy and weird. And Now, hear me, some of it was my problem. Not all of it. Some of it was my problem. And because of that, I was put off. Because I'd look at these people and they were just, for various reasons, they were non-credible people in my mind. They just weren't credible. And because they weren't credible, then I was just, I just, I don't want any part of it. I just, I don't want anything to do with it. They're just not credible people. It can't be true. And, and again, that's, the, you know, I, I could have met just the, the three bottom of the barrel charismatics. You know, they came into my life. But because of that, it put me off to the whole thing. Now, let's just be honest. Can we be honest here for just a minute? If you meet a poor example of a car salesman, does that not in you sort of make you think all car salesmen are like that? It does. But truth of the matter is, and let's be honest, that not all car salesmen are necessarily bad. I mean, let's just be honest, not all of them are. Now, there may be a lot, but that doesn't mean all. 
But the same could be said of a politician, could it not? I mean, we can find a really non-credible politician. And it kind of tarnishes the reputation of all politicians. But let's be honest, just because there's one, it doesn't necessarily mean all. Or a car mechanic. Or a contractor. Or a doctor. Or a preacher. Now you can find you a bad one, no doubt about it. Wouldn't be hard. But the problem is it tends to tarnish or splash over on other people in that particular endeavor or field. It's like the old saying that one bad apple does what? It spoils the whole barrel, the whole bunch. Whether or not that's fair, that's what happens. Well, I believe that this world is looking for something credible. See, it's hungry. It really wants to access God. I know, and I'm going to explain this in just a minute, there are people who are doing their best to help them access God in in different ways and forms, but I'm telling you what they want is something credible. They want credible, spirit-empowered people that they can look at and say, wow, if it's working in their life, then maybe I ought to check into all of this. Now, in the book of Philippians, and uh, I've taken a long time getting started here, but uh, I'm just laying some foundation, and then I'm going to talk real fast. And I believe that there's an anointing that's going to come on your ears to listen fast. Philippians 3.17. Listen to this. Philippians 3.17. Brethren. Well, I'll just take a little liberty. Sistren. Join in following my example. Isn't that bold? Really, isn't that bold? Join in following my example. He didn't say, do as I say, not as I live. Join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I've told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Now you just need to meditate on those first couple of passages because there are people who are walking who are even saying that they love the Lord, but they're enemies, it says, of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. Now, Paul was really concerned about being a credible expression of the Christian life. In fact, I began to look through the Scripture. I couldn't find the word credible anywhere in the Bible. It's not that the concept isn't there. As a matter of fact, the concept is probably best found in the word example. And he goes so far as to say, follow me as I follow Christ. And the implication was clearly that in doing that, you would find a credible reflection of the life of Christ. I want to go another step. Although that would be as far as it needs to go, but maybe it's just a step of explanation. That, that if you were to follow Paul, he says you could begin to find a credible expression of spirit-empowered living. It's interesting that the word example, I believe I put it on the screen overhead, it's hupogramos. The word example, it literally means this, it means to underwrite. Now, that doesn't mean like you're an insurance agent and you're underwriting something. But literally it means to the tracing of letters or a picture 
on another piece of paper. For an example, and, and all of us have probably done this as children and maybe later as we grew up, but we would literally put a, a, a blank sheet of paper over something else. We would take out a pencil and we would begin to trace that paper that's behind the one we put on top of it. We begin to trace it until finally we would trace it and we'd get the same picture on the blank sheet of paper that was originally found on the one we had underneath it. And so what Paul is saying is this. He's saying that people should be able to trace over our lives and implement it in their own life. Can you say, wow? Yeah, wow. Now, unfortunately, the world has not always seen something they'd like to trace. They've not seen credible, spirit-empowered Christianity. And, and so let me give you just a few examples. As I mentioned earlier, it was in the 1980s when God was trying to get my attention. Now hear me, I was preaching the gospel. Certainly I was saved. That doesn't mean all preachers are saved, but this one was. I was saved, ministering the gospel. I was pastoring a church. And God was trying to get my attention concerning the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I almost missed it. I almost missed what God wanted to do in my life because I saw so many come across my path that were non-credible people. Now, it isn't judging. Hear me now. I'm not, I wasn't judging. I'm just making an observation. There's a difference. Between judging and observation. Judging is when you declare an outcome. Uh, observation is you're just sort of evaluating people's fruit. Jesus said you'd know a man by his fruit. And you know, you can pretty much tell when it's a bad apple. So we're just evaluating. And, and, and so as I'm going through all of this, I knew that something lacked in my own life, but I wasn't sure I wanted to trace my life over what I was seeing in other people's lives. And that experience reminded me that we are, as Paul said, living epistles. We are the only Bible some people will ever read. We are the only Jesus some people will ever see. Your impact in someone's life may be the moment God chooses to use to unveil what it means to be a spirit-empowered Christian. Think about that. If, they, if someone doesn't know what it means to be a spirit-filled believer and they looked at you, what would they get? We need to be credible. And here's a good question I want to ponder just as I begin to talk about this. It's this. Could somebody you know put their life over your life and trace how you walk, and when they pulled it off, would they get powerful existence? Think about that. Now, let me give you just a couple things. I'm going to move through this super fast, all right? Are you ready to listen fast? You're on the edge of your seat. You're, you're zoned in. All right, let me talk about just a couple areas because I want to talk about the positive, some positive things we can do, but I can't get to the positive unless I just touch on a couple negative things that we need to address in order that we don't lack or demonstrate, uh, uh, you know, that non-credibility. We don't want to be non-credible persons. And these are some areas that we lack credibility in. Number one, our lack of discernment. This is, this is, this is when we lack credibility. I have met too many spirit-filled believers who are just plain gullible. We tend to follow any fad 
every enticing speaker. Now, I'm not saying you guys. You guys have hung around me, a lot of you, for seven years. Longer than that for some of you. So you've been well-trained. I'd like to think you got some training in you. But for a lot of people that are out there, we will follow, we'll follow an enticing speaker. Let me tell you, we, you get an enticing speaker up and they can make you think falsehood or error is true. And, and what we do is we listen to enticing voices and gimmicks. And what happens is we get burned or we get bit and then we look silly and goofy. And whatever other seven dwarfs there are, you know. Listen, when the media said, some of you remember that the media reported, I forgot who said it, it doesn't really matter, but it was reported that someone said that Christians are generally ignorant and easily led. I remember that came out during the political season. Now, I was as offended as anyone could be. But they didn't pull that concept out of thin air. They've met people, just like you have and I have. We have met people, folks, that certainly live up to that particular uh, uh, example. So, folks, we need to discern. Can I just share this with you? Discern Christian television. Come on, if you're, uh, you need to discern the evening news, but some of you need to discern Christian TV. I mean, discern politicians. Discern their fundraising gimmicks. I mean, this doesn't happen here because it doesn't come because I've already discerned it. But I, I've discerned through. There are times, and some of you haven't heard of this, and you'll think I've pulled this out of thin air. There was a season where preachers were going through churches and gold dust was showing up. Well, what good does that do? And now everybody getting worked up. Gold dust, gold dust. Well, well, whoopee. Live right. Pick up your gold dust and live right. Another one that have feathers that would drop in from the ceiling and they would say that was the dove, the Holy Ghost dove. Well, the Holy Ghost dove is molting then. You say, well, don't you believe in manifestation? Sure, I, I believe it. I don't say, I'm not even saying it couldn't happen. I'm just saying sometimes when we run out at the world and we say we had feathers today at service. Well, that looks goofy. So we got to start discerning. Get some discernment in your system. I know what we say to her, but, 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 Pastor, Pastor, they had a fish on their car. Well, big deal. They had a fish on their car. Hallelujah. Discern. Discern. Secondly, we lack credibility with a lack of integrity. I read a recent study of those who claim to be Christian. Listen to this. People who claim to be Christian now accept the premise that what they say and how they live will be inconsistent. And they're okay with that. We all know. We all know that no human being functions perfectly. But our hypocrisy levels in the body of Christ have never been higher. And what happens is that undermines our credibility. Number three, our lack of knowledge. This, this is a, a part of how we lack credibility. Ignorance is not bliss. What you don't know really can hurt you. Or it can at least make you look stupid. This is what drives me crazy. About once a year to this day, I'll still get an email that'll come through. And the email is about how Madeline Murray O'Hara has, has mobilized atheists all over America in order to petition the FCC in order to take Christian uh, uh, themed programming off of television and radio. Folks, that happened 40 years ago. It isn't happening now. Madeline Murray O'Hara is in the grave. She knows the truth right now. 
But when we sign it and send it on, we look stupid. My view is you don't have to check your brain out at the door to be spirit-filled. Jesus is the smartest, wisest, most knowledgeable person you will ever meet. And He sent His Holy Spirit to us in order that we could be empowered, not only with a fine mind, but with an empowered spirit to do miracles and to arise to levels of influence that we're not just being moved by the Holy Ghost, but we're competent to do what we've arisen to do. Are you following me? I like what Luther said one time concerning medical doctors. He said, I would just as soon have a competent heathen as to an incompetent Christian. Because when you cut open my chest, I would prefer that you spoke in tongues. But more importantly, I think I would like for you to have passed your medical examinations. But if you could do both, that would be wonderful. And why not both? Why not? Number four, our credibility lacks because of a lack of authority. Spirit-filled circles generally have more than their fair share of highly independent, I'm-going-to-do-my-thing type of people. Even the world gets authority. Do you understand that, and, and you may like this or not like it, but let me get through with this little story. South Carolina has made the news again. You know, South Carolina is like, you know, the focal point of the nation right now. So we had a congressman who in the middle of our president's speech shouted out, and you all have heard this, you lie. Now listen, we're not going to get into whether Barack Obama lied or not. I don't care about your politics. I don't care. But I'm just simply telling you that he shouted it out. It was not the decorum that should have taken place. And I've heard everybody arguing it every which way. Some people think he's an idiot. Other people think, you know, he's a statesman. But all I'm simply saying to you that as the world goes ballistic, they at least get that there's a moment and a time and an authority and a place for everything. They at least get that. But not so much in our circles. There's a lot of places. Now, not our church because we've spent some time working on this. But you understand that there are churches you can go to and the reason people feel, you know, discomfortable is because there's no order. You've got the, you've got the streamer lady running around and, and she snaps her streamer and it takes out someone's eye. Say, well, pastor, you just, you just against, you just against the move of the spirit. No, I'm not. I'm against incompetent streamer holders. Church is the band. You know this true, Lord. Band, you know, band gets to go and you got five people out in the congregation and they're doing their tambourines and, 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 and it's, and it's on the offbeat. And I had people going, you don't want freedom. You don't want the move of the spirit. No, I want rhythm. Just a little rhythm. And the reason some of these things don't happen is because until you get rhythm, until you get competent, don't tell me you're being moved by the Spirit. I'm not, see, and that's, and that's, that's why there's, or pastors aren't, aren't controlling. Pastors are bringing order because the world understands order. I'm not against the Holy Ghost. We let the Holy Ghost rip potato chip. We pray in the Spirit. We're energetic. We put our hands up. We'll jump up and down. We'll spin around. These things, you don't need a whole lot of rhythm to do this. 
And then lastly, number five, a lack of foundation. A lack of foundation. The motto of most spirit-filled churches is this. God told me. Now, that's, I believe God speaks. I prophesy over people. I believe in personal prophecy. But we live in circles right now where everybody says, God told me. I very rarely hear this. I was reading the Word, and the Word said... See, that's part of our problem. Part of our problem is we're all moving because God told us. But nobody's ever saying the Word said... You see, our spiritual life boils down to how we feel. Consequently, we look very erratic. We look double-minded to the world. And they're looking for some sense of stability. They would like to hear from God too. Do I believe God speaks? Yes. But God isn't saying to you this and then that, and you're here and you're there and you're there and you're there. You know what that makes God look like? What do you think? But God told you. God told me to do this. Well, that didn't work, so God told me to do this. Well, that didn't work either. God told me to do this. God to- and you know, if I were looking at it, I'd say, I don't want to talk to your God. And, and the sad part is there will be some who are going, that almost sounds like blasphemy. No, it's not. It's because when was the last time you looked it up and you found out that which is forever established in the heavenlies? Now, is there some hit and miss? Sure there is. But we've got to get a foundation in our life. To get the foundation of your life in order so that something can be built on it. You have to ingest. You have to be taught. You have to embrace the Word of God so when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, His Word is in you and the Holy Spirit has something to bring up. And it matches what he said in his word. That's what we tell Kaylin all the time. We tell her the Holy Spirit will help you take a test at school. Yes, he will. But you've got to study the information and get it in you so when you take the test, the Holy Spirit can pull it out of you. You can't just go and say, well, God will help me. If I'm taking a science test today and God will help me and I don't have to study, he's just going to, he's just going to reveal it to me. You're going to fail school. That's how I went through school. I had to get it in and, and glory to God, the Holy Spirit would come and he'd pull that stuff out. And you see, that's our problem. We want God to just speak to us because we don't want to spend time understanding the foundations of how we need to live life so it can be pulled up by the Spirit the moment we need it. Now, this dawned on me because many of you, I've talked about this before and you know this. That I do not embrace, by way of philosophy, a seeker-sensitive, what's called a seeker-sensitive methodology, uh, which is basically saying we're going to do church for the unchurched. I don't embrace that. I I, I want unchurched people to come. Don't misunderstand. I want to win the lost. I want to do all of these things. But as even Trace said this morning, Pastor Trace said that, 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 you know, we aren't going to the lowest common denominator. You know, a lot of times pastors just say, we're going to do everything we can to have as little risk as possible. We're not going to do anything to alienate anyone. We're not going to say anything that could potentially alienate them. We're not going to let anything happen that could potentially alienate anything. We're going to, we're going to do church for the unchurched. Now, I don't believe that's biblical, number one. But having said that, though, I do understand why pastors do this. You see, they want to reach the world. 
They want to win people to Jesus. I, I, I don't question any of their hearts at all. And they're just worn out with trying to corral non-credible, rebellious, unsubmitted, goofy, characterless, gullible Christians. They're just willing to say, y'all go somewhere else, give me a blank slate. And I'll write on a blank slate. But the problem is when we begin writing, it takes years to form a credible believer. And I don't know that we've got years left in order for us to do the work that God has called us to do. And so I share this with you. And can I just say this? I believe that per square inch and per capita, I believe this. We've got credibility in this room this morning. I'm not, I'm not correcting something that's major, a major problem here. I'm just giving you some foundation. But we need a credible expression. I believe God has called me, and, and, and because of that, He's called us to be a credible reflection, a credible expression of what it means to be a Spirit-empowered church. I believe that's possible. And I'm going to show you how. 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 4. 1 Thessalonians 1, 4. Got to run quick. I will promise you this is going to happen fast. Amen. If you can't be good, be fast. 1 Thessalonians 1, 4. Listen to this. It would help if I get in the right book, wouldn't it? 1 Thessalonians 1, 4. Okay, this is what Paul says. Listen carefully. It says this, Knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. Verse seven's the key verse. So that you became examples. In other words, something happened within these first three verses that was imparted in their life that those believers became traceable. They became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believed. Now, let me just share with you, Paul is going to define credibility. And, and, and out of these three verses, I'm going to give you ten bullet points. And this is going to be fast. I know what you're saying right now. You're saying, oh God, there goes lunch. Now, I'm going to give these to you fast because they're all in these several verses. Very, very fast. But, but there are some bullet points that I want to give to you that will enable you to begin to build some credibility in your life. You know what was my salvation? Listen to me. I would have walked away from anything that had to do with the Holy Spirit had it not been for me crossing paths with several people. I crossed paths with a guy by the name of Jack Hayford. And Pastor Jack Hayford pastored a large congregation in Southern California. And I know it was because of the size of his church that probably it eventually got my attention. But the truth of the matter is, he was a guy that believed in all the fullness of the things of the Spirit, but he didn't check his brain out at the back door. He had a sense of credibility. He had a character. He had a longevity about him that, that I could begin to see that maybe this really does work. There was another guy by the name of Jim Garlow. Jim Garlow now pastors uh, Wesleyan Skyline Church in San Diego. In fact, he was the one that originally got me messed up to the things of the Spirit. 
It's the best mess up I ever got in, by the way. But, but, but again, it's not because of, of, of the degrees behind his name. It's not because that, that he just could use large vocabulary. At the time, that was helpful because it spoke to me where I was at that time. But there was a credibility in his life. He's still preaching the gospel, still pastoring, still doing a great work of God. There was longevity to it, and it began to speak to me. And then there was John Wimber, who has since passed away. But John Wimber probably is the singular person that God used in order to reach into evangelical, dead evangelical circles and begin to pull people out and restore to them the things of the Spirit. Healing, miracles, signs and wonders. And he taught at Fuller Seminary. And it was through through guys like this that God began to use in order to open me up to the things of the Spirit. Listen, folks, God wants to use you and He wants to use me as living epistles in our communities, in our work, at our school, and He wants to use us that people can look at and not have another excuse as to not come to Him. That when they look at you or they look at me, they may say a lot of things, They may not like our style. They may not like our haircut. They may not like the way we dress. There may be a lot of things they don't like, but they have to walk away and at least say that's the real deal. That's the real deal. I'm going to give you these bullet points. I found them all in these verses real quick. This is the tracing that needs to happen in our lives. Number one, ten characteristics of credibility. Fast. One, purpose. Come on, you need to know why you exist. Not for yourself, but for the glory of God. Credibility means that we are, we are tied up to God's purposes and His plans and His will. You know, the greatest attraction that Christianity had for me as an 18-year-old was that for the first time in my life, I was given a cause. I was given a cause. At 18, I needed a cause. I was aimless and directionless as a teenager. I was trying all the things that teenagers do. I would embarrass I would embarrass you if I told you all the things that pastor's done. I've I've mentioned on occasion every now and then, but I want to keep as much of that quiet and under the blood as I can. But I'll tell you this much. I lived as a teenager for the devil. I wanted the alluring uh, uh, attractions of the world. But it was because I was aimless. And when I came to Jesus, I got me a cause. And I tell you, you're credible when you have a cause, a purpose for your existence. Number two, principles. You can just read through this and you can see all of these things in these verses. We're not, we're not chameleon people, are we? You know what a chameleon is. It's like a lizard that changes color to whatever twig it's standing on at the moment. We're not chameleon people. We're not politicians who feel the breeze of opinion and move with it. We live by certain precepts. There are things in our life that are non-negotiables. These are things we live for and we die for. Can I just share with you on Saturday mornings, on occasion, I'll be driving and maybe coming over here to the church for a reason. But, but on Saturdays, oftentimes back there on Orange Grove Road, I will see Orthodox Jewish families walking to their services on Saturday. They already have the yarmulkes on their head and they, and, and they don't get in cars, they don't drive. That's a part of their, their religious ritual as they go to their worship services. And I thought to myself as I look at mom and dad and their, and their young people walking off 
to service like that. That there are certain precepts they know and they have embraced and, and they aren't negotiating on those things. And while I don't agree with their theology, I can respect their principles. I remember being at Hartsfield International Airport in Atlanta and watching, obviously, a Muslim gentleman all of a sudden spreading out his red carpet or blanket there in the middle of a terminal and facing towards Mecca and beginning to do his prayer right there in the middle of the terminal. And I said to myself, while I disagree with everything there is about that religion, I can respect the fact that in an airport terminal, that principle is non-negotiable. It ought to be said of us the same thing. That there are certain principles that we live by out of the Word of God. And they're just non-negotiable for us. You can think I'm weird, think I'm silly, make fun at me, point at me, do whatever you need to do. But they're just non-negotiable. And I will assure you, your credibility isn't about how you look more like them. Your credibility is how firm you'll stand on the bedrock issues of life. Principles. Number three, there should be power. Our lives should be characterized by a demonstration of power. Now, for a lot of people, they say to themselves, oh, great, pastor's going to crawl our case about raising the dead, healing the sick. And let's, listen, let's, let's just start here. Let's just prevail over your attitude. Let's just get power for that. Let's just power to, to, to you know, overcome our circumstances. Power to press through whatever it is we're facing. Power to find the victory. I don't worry about raising the dead right now. Just begin to live a life that when everyone at your workplace knows that you're under the gun or you're under terrible tribulation or persecution, that there's something that you're demonstrating by your countenance or your attitude or your nature that they look and they say, where did you get whatever it is you got to prevail through this thing? Power. Number four, presence. Credibility means there's a sense of God's presence. I like last week when Clay was talking about going to the varsity and you know how you smell like the varsity. There are certain restaurants you go to and when you walk out, you smell like it. There was an old barbecue restaurant in Kansas City. As soon as he told that illustration, I was thinking of, and my old, it's called the Smokehouse, that's right. And, and the old illustration I used to use with that was that, you know, you've been to a good barbecue restaurant when you smell like it when you leave. I mean, you could smell the hickory. You could smell the barbecue. Everyone knew where you'd been. Credibility is about smelling God's presence. They need to sense the presence of God. They need to sense Him in your life. They need to sense Him when they come to church. Folks, there are smarter pastors than I, and there are wealthier congregations than we. But we'll be the richest ones in town and the smartest ones in town if God's presence is amongst us. Number five, peace. Peace. You're credible when people see you walk in peace. You are not going crazy because of the economy. You're not paralyzed by fear. You're not consumed by worry, but you have the peace of God. We are unshakable because He is unshakable. So all of these things, are you, are you following me? These, these are just characteristics of credibility. Spirit-filled credibility. See, people don't care how high you jump. They don't care how much shamalahandaiing you do. They just want to know, can you get through the day? Now, I want you to jump. And it's helpful when I'm not the only one praying in the Spirit. But why can't we do it all? Number six, peculiarity. 
When was the last time someone came up to you and just out of the blue said, you're different? And you didn't take offense by it. If somebody ever says to you, you're different, well, praise the Lord. You're right, I am different. There should be a godly oddness to our life. People think you're odd, praise God. I am, I'm odd to this world. No, I don't, I don't, I don't function exactly like the world does. I have a God odd about me. Think about odd characters in the Bible. I mean, think about this for just a minute. Picture Elijah. Or picture John the Baptist. The dude had matted hair, you know, down to the middle of his back. I always see him in this toga. I don't know why I see him with hair on his back, too. I just, that's just kind of, but I just see that, man. They didn't, you know, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't, they couldn't go and get that stuff, you know, taken care of. I mean, he had a beard. He'd been eating, listen, honey. Think about that beard for just a minute now. And locusts. I don't want to think about that beard anymore. Is that not a little odd? That's just a little odd. And yet it says that thousands, he'd empty cities out as they'd go to the desert to listen to him speak. Isn't that amazing? There was a peculiarity about him. Don't feel bad if you're just a tad bit peculiar for the gospel. We're trying to figure out how we can be like them because we think if I'm like them, they'll accept Jesus when Jesus ain't nothing like them. And we need to say, hey, there's a better way, really. And they'll look and go, you're odd. Yeah, well, I'm only odd for now. One of these days, I'll be in. Number seven, I put down protege. I think all of us should be getting mentored by someone. A credible person is pursuing relationships that will enlarge them. Some of those relationships you can sit down and eat lunch with. Some of those relationships you may have just through reading books and and listening to tapes and CDs. But all of us should be getting mentored in our life. And you've heard me say this before. I'll just say it passingly because Paul mentions it on two different occasions. I've had people say, well, pastor, are you saying that you follow that, that you, you, you would follow a man, if that man's following Jesus, you're right, I'll follow the man. Because in our spirit-filled circles, you see, we don't follow anybody. We say we follow the Lord, but truth is, and I'll just say it out loud, truth is, you're just following your own will. And you drag God into it. And say, well, God told me. God told me to do this. God told me to do that. God told me. And who's going who's gonna to argue with God? The hardest thing for a pastor is, is that people will look at me and they'll say to me, Pastor, you need to stop them from doing such and such because they're going off a cliff. And I'll have to look and I'll say, but God told them. And so you want me to go argue with God. And what it does is it makes everyone think that somehow you're un, the pastor's unspiritual because he doesn't want people to follow God. Well, then you follow God off your cliff. Because all of us need to bounce things off of people. Now, does God speak? Sure, he speaks. Does God lead? Absolutely, he leads. And you need to be prepared when you say God spoke to me. You need to be prepared to say, and I found the precept in the book, and I'm prepared to accept the repercussions of me following my God. I follow. I, there are people I follow. I, I, I was on national phone calls again this week. Pastor Larry Stockstill shared things. I'll follow Pastor Larry. I got no problem saying that. 
and I don't check my brain out at the door, and I'm not just, I'm just, I'm not a part of a cult. I see Jesus in somebody and I want that, then sign me up. Sign me up. So, protege. Number eight, pain. Gotta hurry. Pain? I believe a credible person has the marks of affliction and the stories of pain in their life. Anyone who says that they've never experienced pain as a Christian has nothing to say to me. You obviously have entered into the third heaven already. And you're just, God just puts up with the rest of us. Because you've never experienced any pain. I've had people say to me before, they said, you know, they've said, we, you know, I'm married and we've never had an argument. You are such a liar. You lie. I mean, everybody's married has an argument. You're going to have an argument over something. Or somebody's controlling. And somebody's a doormat. Otherwise, everybody argues. I want, I want someone to stand up and say, I had a knockdown drag out last night. My wife threw dishes at me. And I cussed at her. Hey, I, you know what? I can identify with that. I know people are going, I can't believe you said that. Then you go find your plastic, sterile, dead place and you come back when you're ready to deal with your pain. Because we're talking about how do you press through these things? If you don't admit you're having them, then you can't press through them. Pain. I'll never forget, I was sitting with Pastor Rod and Mary. We were sitting with them over at Cisco's. The first time we got to sit with them and they wanted us to share our story. And I remember thinking, you do not want to hear this story. So we shared with them our story, all the good, the bad, the ugly, because I was at a point I didn't care. If you don't want to hang around me, I'll keep on the journey, but I'll just, I shared it all. We shared everything. We shared about the things that were done to us. We shared about the things that we did. We shared about the things we failed and others failed. I mean, we just put it out there. And I'll never forget that they looked at us and said, with kind of deer in headlight look, He said, I'm amazed that you haven't quit. But most of, listen to this, most of the pastors I know, is this not true? Most of the pastors I know would have quit. And their kids would have turned away from God. And yet here we are. And at that moment, at that moment, there was a credibility that locked in. Pain. Pain. Don't, 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 don't. Don't despise your pain. Your pain has come to make you credible to the world. Do you understand? Jesus' pain makes him credible for me and for you. Number nine, there's passion. A passionate person is hard to ignore. You see a person's zeal and you see their joy and it is magnetic. Most Christians are grumpy. There's a lady, Tracy goes to this nail salon place and she was in there one time, and there was a lady in there. And you could tell she had a foul spirit about her. And she was grumpy, and she was complaining, and she was just, just hard to deal with. And you know, all oh, those precious Vietnamese ladies, and, and you know, I think their husbands are in there too, but they're working on her. And finally, this old grumpy, sour lady leaves, and there were some other things that took place. But, but the nail technician said, in her Vietnamese accent, that lady has been kicked out of four nail palaces. And she's about ready to get kicked out of this one. 
Now, first off, can you imagine that you've done something that could get you kicked out of four nail palaces? Listen to me. But this is what the nail technician said. She said, and she says she's a Christian and she comes in here with her Bible and tries to preach to us. Well, she's, she's an example, all right. She's not the one we need. So, so there, there is a passion, a joy, an optimism. There ought to be, God lives in me. He lives in me. Oh, my. And you know what? I get to live with Him forever. And that's why Paul said that the sufferings of this present season are only for a moment. And lastly, number 10 is prototype. Prototype is the word that means example. You know, like a car that one of those uh, automotive uh, uh, manufacturers, when they put out a prototype car, a car that is put out as a first fruit of what cars will look like in the future, and everybody can take a gander at it. The Lord is calling you and me to be prototypes. Putting people out there so everyone can take a look at them and say, this is what it's supposed to look like. We should be a prototype of how life in the Spirit really works. This weekend, and I'm done with this, this weekend I was flipping through the channels and I I got to the cable news network that I always watch and they were covering... They were covering all these tea parties that are going on. And one of the things that I'd never heard before from the anchor that was sitting at the desk, in fact, I'll just say his name was Glenn Beck. I've never watched Glenn Beck before much. He's on too early and I'm usually not home. I know he's a Mormon. I know that's his faith background. And uh, he was just sharing some things and he went into this passionate discourse a passionate discourse about refounding this nation. And this is what he said. He started calling for 56 either congressmen or senators to arise because there were 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence, you know, the ones, the document that pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor in order to establish our nation. He said that that our nation, and agree with it or disagree, I'm just telling you the story. He said our nation doesn't need change, it needs refounded. And he said that 56 people need to arise, both Republicans and Democrats. And this is what he began to say. He said, quit pointing your fingers at each other. Republicans need to deal with Republicans and Democrats need to deal with Democrats. And it is time that we cleaned the system out and up. It's time. And, and this is what he said. He got super passionate about it. He began to talk to a pastor out of Texas. And he said to this pastor, he said, this nation, the people don't know. We, we are far more precipitously close to the edge than some of us even realize. And he said, pastor, We've got to do something, and I'm asking you, in fact, I'm going to talk about it. He said he's going to talk about it Monday, so I'm interested to hear what he's going to say. But we're talking about a major network anchor looked into the camera on Fox News Network, which is now number one in the ratings 
over ABC, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, and all the rest, listen to this, speaking to millions of people, and this is what he said, we need to fast and to pray. Yeah, it stunned me. Number one, it stunned me that you could, well, let me say there were two things. Number one, I was glad. But then number two is I said, how sad that the church didn't have a voice. That it took a Mormon cable news anchor to look the nation in the eye and say, folks, we got to get credible again. We've got to get credible again. Things are falling apart. And the only answer is the one the Lord has had all through the years. It's through His people and the church. It's not about a new administration. If you can take buses to Washington, D.C. and you can drive out our current president and put another one in, you can vote the scoundrels out and put a whole new set in, and it won't change anything if the whole place is corrupt and non-credible. I'm telling you, folks, God's speaking to us about getting our affairs in order. There's a cleansing that's got to come through His church. And when He said 56 56 government officials that will just stand up and say, we go no further till we clean this out. I thought to myself, Lord, I hear you speak. God is looking for pastors and he is looking for people who will stand up and say, we go no further till it gets cleaned up. We go no further till it gets cleaned up. It goes no further until we get credible. Otherwise, we multiply our dysfunction. We multiply our aberrations. We multiply false doctrine. We multiply superficiality. We multiply the lowest common denominator. I'm not mad. Really, I'm, not, I'm no longer mad at, at Washington, D.C. I'm not mad at Columbia. I'm really not mad. I'm upset because our prayers, we've become prayerless and we didn't keep the things in motion that needed to stay there. Because I serve a God that has the heart of the King in His hand not their fault they're carnal it's my fault that i haven't interceded and i haven't been a better example it's our fault that we've lost our voice it's our fault that we've just wandered after every strange and flighty goofy thing and we've not got down and understood that it was time it is time that we tear out the high places and it's time that we restore the truth and we get settled on the truth we're wanting to be everybody's buddy. I can be a person's friend, but I only I know there's only one way. There's one door. One life, one truth. There's not many, there's one. His name's Jesus. I'm staking everything on that. That's my cause. It's Him. And this is what I'm going to ask you to do. Stand with me, will you please, for just a moment. I, I've stacked some books here. And many of you have these books. They're remnant books, which basically is Pastor Larry Stockstill's book on bringing integrity back to people's lives, bringing integrity back to the ministry. I've pro- I don't know how many books I've got here, probably about 100, thereabouts. But hear me right now. I'm just buying these things because I'm, just, I'm doing whatever I can do. And here's what I want some of you to do right now. You know people in your life right now. Some of you know believers. Some of you know some pastor friends. And I'm not telling you to go shove a book in their hand and say, I've been watching your life and I know you could use this. Come on, be wise. Be wise. 
you could look at someone and say, you know, I know you, you love the Lord and, and, and I, I know that he's an important part of your life. And, you know, around our church, we're just trying to get everything in order. Trying to get our lives in order. We're going to get our church in order. Pastor Baird feels like a part of his call is to help bring some, some order and credibility back to the body. And we're just, we're just passing along, passing along the information. Maybe you know some that would join you on the journey. Some people, I believe, are really looking for the real deal. They're tired of signing up for religious sideshows. And they're tired of looking at people all around them that aren't measuring up to what they say they believe. Now, again, they're no perfect people, but folks, our levels have got to begin to increase a little bit. We've got to. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do. Everybody, I would think, would know a couple people, and I don't have books for everyone. I'm not asking you to take this book and keep it. I'm asking you to grab this book and for you to be salt and light and begin to disseminate it. Put it in somebody's hand that you know. Tracy, you do not move. I want the people. Tracy grabbed 50 of them and just... I want the people. Come on, right now, you know two or three people, probably in your mind, some of you do. Some of you say, well, I, you know, I don't know if I... Ha- so I don't want you to take one just to, because you feel guilty. I ought to take one because I don't want people to think I don't. Come on, I, I've only got so many here. But it's time we became the leaven in the earth. Amen? It is time we became the influencer. It is time we became proactive. Instead of hollering about what all's wrong, to begin to offer a solution to what's right. And you can think of a couple people right now, just a couple people that you can put it in their hand. And don't you be condemning or anything like that. Just put it in their hand and say, I'm just, I just know you love God and, 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 you know, we can talk about the Lord and I just believe that this would bear witness to your spirit. We're just trying to find people of like spirit to strengthen them and to arise. And you be salt and light. It's easy. You can put inside of it if you want to write the name of your church inside of it as you hand it to them. If you don't have it, you know, there are people out there, Christian people, and they love God. They aren't plugged into a church. And you know why they aren't plugged into church? It's because they've seen people. And I wish I could change that for them. I wish I could explain it to them. But you can help them at least see that you're gathering with a group that's trying their best to be a remnant, to bring this nation back to where it needs to be. Everybody understands you're giving it away, right? You're not holding on to it. You're giving it away. You're giving it away. I got about 10 more. Somebody knows 10. We know 10 more people here. God bless you, Aaron. 10 more people. You know, come on, just, just... You just hand them a book. Say, would you take the time to read it? You know somebody so well that you could put that in their hand and say, I've never asked anything to you before, but I'm just putting this in your hand as a favor to me. Would you just read it? Right there, we're going to influence over a hundred people right there. This week, amen? Over a hundred people are going to be influenced because of you. Praise God. Let's just pray. Father, in fact, those of you that grab books, lay your hand on that book right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I was reminded when I was reminded when Pastor Tracy shared about the pillows and about how we were sending them to military people. 
about how they'd be sleeping on the Word of God. It just reminded me how Paul would pray for hankies and aprons and release them and that people would be healed, they would be touched, they would be changed. Lord, I believe that in that paper, in this book that's in people's hands right now, we're just laying hands and we're speaking an anointing on them. Lord, let that book begin to call people. Lord, I understand it's not the Bible, but it has the precepts of the Bible in it. Lord, let it begin to talk to people in a special way. That they would begin to be hungry once again for righteousness. That they would be hungry for credibility. Lord, some of those might go into the hands of the backslidden. Some of those might go into the hands of the righteous. And while it may call the backslidden back, it may do nothing more than encourage the righteous who are already on target. Lord, it may go into the hand of a pastor here or there that will stir in his heart to begin to teach and to preach and to declare to his congregation Lord what it is you're doing in the earth on these days Lord I pray again that you would forgive us for losing our voice as the people of God Lord I am grateful that you would use a news anchor in order to look at a nation millions of people and say we must fast and we must pray while I'm grateful for that Lord I'm broken that it had to come from somewhere outside of your church. Lord, I pray that we would catch a glimpse and that we would yearn for our voice to be restored again to this nation. Lord, I pray for pastors in their pulpits that, Lord, you would give them a backbone and that you would give them the temerity to regain their voice again in this nation. Lord, help us. Lord, give us a backbone in our workplaces. Give us a backbone in our schools. Give us a backbone, Lord, with our neighbors. Lord, we're not looking to just be crazy, but Lord, when those moments come, let us, let us demonstrate credibility. In these last moments, as you're standing before the Lord, would you just take this personal moment? I'm going to keep my mouth shut, but just where you are right now. Would you begin to intercede and pray about your own personal credibility? If there are things that you know in your life that would somehow demonstrate a lack of credibility, it could be any one of, I suppose, of a thousand things, things I might have mentioned, things maybe I didn't, but the Holy Spirit mentioned it. Come on. Be before the Lord in honesty and transparency and cleanness and just say Lord forgive me forgive me I've lacked some credibility in maybe this area or that area I I tell you it's not fair but you you can be you can be good to go in 99% of your life I know this isn't fair but the world will find that 1% and they'll call you a hypocrite 99% of what you do is on target, but it's that 1% that somebody will seize upon. Hey, I, I can tell you this is for me because just a little over a week ago, I was irritated and I was exasperated. 
And you know how irritated and exasperated you can be going down the road and you got people on cell phones and they aren't paying attention. And it just aggravates you. And I'll just tell you, I drove by, I drove by a guy. Listen, I'm not, I'm not telling you the whole story. But I drove by a guy, wasn't paying attention in the middle of the road, not paying a lick of attention. And I just, I went like this. Did I sin? I don't know. But I got a feeling I'd never be able to impact him. Now, what is it you say that you're unwilling to unmask or admit to? I'm sorry. I'm, I, I'm not a perfect person either, but we got to get our credibility back. We've got to get our credibility back. Just a moment like that, that was a soul. So, Lord, give that man, give that man another opportunity to hear from a credible voice that can reach him and bring him into the kingdom. From this moment on, Lord, I'm committing, we're all committing to credibility. The hour's too severe and serious to do anything less. With every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around right now. We're just about done. I'm just going to cut you loose here. How many of you right now would say, you know what, there's some areas of credibility that I'm going to tighten up on. Just lift your hand before the Lord. There's some areas of credibility i got to tighten up on. Amen. Put your hands down. If you're willing, God's willing, and He'll help you. Hear us from heaven. 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 Call out to God, hear us. That hear us, keep singing it. Hear us from heaven. Keep singing it. Hear us from heaven. Hear us from heaven. Sing it one more time. Hear us. Hear us. Hear us from heaven. Hear us from heaven. Hear us from heaven. Hear us. Hear us. Hear us. Hear us from heaven. Open heaven, hear us from heaven. Oh, We're gonna open the blind eyes. Open the blind eyes. Unlock the deaf ears. Come to your people. Hear us from heaven and touch our generation. Keep it playing. Listen, guys. I'm speaking over each one of you right now. You may have to clean up the mess that this generation has caused. 
you guys may have to be the ones to do that. God bless you for slipping out and coming down to the wells of the church. And I just take a moment to apologize for this to this generation that we have not been credible people. We've not been as credible as we've needed to be. We've argued and we've fussed. We've said things out of our mouths that shouldn't have come out of our mouths. We've lived, we've lived stiff-necked towards God, alienated, and you've had to watch it. You've had to watch it all. And you knew in your hearts that that wasn't how it was, but you honored us. And you loved us, and you still came to church with us. And I just want to thank you, just the four of you, that you slipped out from your seat and you just stood right here. Because you may well be the generation that has to clean up the debacle that we're leaving. Many years ago, many years ago when I was a teenager, I had to set my alarm clock, I had to get up out of bed, I had to go to the house of God, and there wasn't anybody cheering me on. And that's not to say your folks aren't good people. Don't misunderstand. I'm just using this as as a moment of instruction. But I had to get up and I had to make my choices on my own. And this generation is going to have to do the same thing. I'm telling you, young lady, you keep getting up, you keep coming to the house of God, and He will use you greatly. He will use you greatly. Because I'm telling you right now, there are people that are in my age area that they have the, they have a sniffle and they won't be in the house of God. They just sniffle. I, 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 I can't make it to church. I'm telling you, your generation. I'm prophesying, folks. I'm prophesying over a generation that's got to come back. And, we, and let me tell you something. I want to be of this spirit. I want to be of a spirit that says, I'm going to step out too. It's time. I watched. I realized it was out of order when the South Carolina congressman hollered out. I get it. It was out of order. But I do think the Spirit of the Lord is saying it is time we started stepping out and we started pursuing our God. And maybe it's time we quit waiting for altar calls. And maybe when the announcements are being told and God's dealing with us, we get our faces down front and we just say, I can wait no longer. I want to get right with God. And some of you right now, I'm telling you, you're waiting for me to say it's okay to come on down. It's up to you. If you want to come, great. But I'm tired of, 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 of having this decorum that says somehow or another we can't obey God. If it's on your heart to be here and be of another generation and another spirit, then you just need to come right now. Come on. You just need to come on right now. Come on, there's something serious in the air. I'm serious as a train wreck. I mean, I'm serious as a train wreck. We are losing our nation. We are losing our nation. It's not a Democrat Party problem. It's not a Republican Party problem. It's an American problem. Yes, yes, hear us. Hear us from heaven. Yes, hear us from heaven. Hear us, oh God! Hear us from heaven! Hear us from heaven! Hear us from heaven! Hear us! Hear us from heaven!
runs from heaven. He runs from heaven. Open, open, open the blind eyes. Unlock the dead ears. Come to your people as we call Lord, it's been my purpose as unto you to shift, to shift the atmosphere from a defensive, timid church to become an offensive, credible army that will move into marketplaces and neighborhoods, into schools and colleges into friends and neighbors. And Lord, just by virtue of our presence, Lord, you're able to reach and move and touch. Oh God, that we yearn for credibility again. I pray for our leaders, both in the civil arena as well as the spiritual arena. Give us statesmen, men of God. Give us servants of the Lord, prophets, pastors, voices that the world can no longer make fun of on the late night talk shows. But because of their credibility, they can speak with power. Give us Nathans again, who can walk into the court of the king and be able to speak with power. Lord, give us Isaiahs and give us Jeremiahs and give us Ezekiels. Give us Haggai's and Zechariah's. Give us Peter, give us Paul. Lord, give us Luke and Timothy's and Lord, give us Abraham's, Isaac's. Lord, give us Israel's. Lord, give us those voices again that are anointed to call a nation back to its true heritage. Lord, let this nation not go the way of Israel where it took centuries to get it right. But Lord, help us to do what we can do in order to get our nation where it would be right in your eyes. Lord, I thank you for the young ones. I thank you for the old ones. I thank you for the senior saints. I thank you for those here at the front. I thank you for those in their seats. Lord, I thank you for those that could not be here today. Lord, I thank you for this body that's called legacy. That Lord, you're stirring us to be a massive influence in this hour. I believe, Lord, that you've called our church to come to the kingdom for such a time as this. I don't know all that that means, but Lord, I want to handle it well. Lord, protect us as a people. Protect us down to the very smallest of details of our life. 
Lord, we want to impact. We want to impact folks that you love so desperately that you gave your son for them. So, Lord, we're going to receive an impartation of your spirit this morning and become credible, spirit-empowered people that will reach the Charleston area and beyond with a ministry and with a word that will set people free, that will lead them into wholeness and show them that Jesus is the only way. I believe you're branding that on our hearts one more time this morning. And Lord, we receive it gratefully. We love you. We love you. We love you. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? Can we put our hands together and let's bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah. Praise God. Praise God. Turn around now. Before you all go, encourage. This is why you gather. You got to encourage each other. So hug some necks. Shake some hands. Look someone in the eye and prophesy to them. Say, you're going to make a difference. You're going to be of influence. You're going to shake the area God's put you in. Hallelujah. Yes, He is. We'll see you in the middle of the week. A brand new series in the middle of the week. Hope to see you all there. Don't forget connect groups. All the connect groups are meeting as well. God bless. You're released.